Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. How many could feel his presence here this morning? I've been away, I think it's just one Sunday that I was away, and I couldn't wait to get back here this Sunday and just just dwell and bathe myself in the presence of Jesus. If you ask me where I was last Sunday, last Sunday I was in Jerusalem looking for a church service. In Jerusalem looking for a church service. And I almost made it to the service at the garden tomb, but it got packed out and I couldn't, we couldn't get in. And then we want to have another service somewhere. We want to go to a church somewhere over there. And we couldn't find a church. And on, on Sunday over there in Israel, especially in Jerusalem, it's like a Monday here in the States. On Saturday, it feels like a Sunday. And on Sunday, it feels over there like a Monday because on Saturday is their Sabbath. But we've had a tremendous, tremendous time. I we went there with a dual purpose. I went there, I was, I was hosting a group of pastors and their wives from Victory Outreach in different places into the Holy Land. And then at the same time, we went on a, on a spying expedition over there. We went to check it out and you know check out the land and we met some of the people that work with drug addicts in Israel. And there's a strong possibility that there's a door wide open for us to go right into the country of Israel. Amen? Praise God. They were all, I think I have the nose, Jewish nose, and they were all talking to me in Hebrew. And then they look at Julie and they would try to figure out what she was. She says she must be an Arab. You know? <laughs> Hallelujah. We've had a, a tremendous uh, spiritual experience. And by the way, let me mention this too, that I hope that by now you all know that all of our services are being interpreted. All, uh, all of our services have been translated into Spanish. And we encourage you to bring Spanish-speaking people. And they could sit anywhere in the auditorium. And they have a little uh, radio that they could listen to the translation of everything that is said and done in our services. So we encourage you to invite the Spanish-speaking people to come, come and be part of our service. Well, this morning, we have so much in our hearts, and we're going to have like a dual thing. I'm going to have Julie come and give you a report of her experiences in Israel, and then after that, I'm going to come and cap it off with a little message that is laid upon my heart. Julie, would you come at this time? Give her a real warm welcome right now as she comes. When I came up here to make the announcements, I, I just had to hold back saying anything about, about Israel because I knew that Sonny was going to ask me to come and just share a few words because that's what I felt like talking about, you know, about our beautiful experience that we had in Israel. I'll tell you, I never dreamed that I'd ever be walking in the streets of Jerusalem or in the Holy Land. I never dreamed that I'd ever go over there. Not only that, but I didn't expect it to be the way it was. I expected the Holy Land to be a desert and to be uh, hot and to be, I don't know, I had this visual 
uh, you know, I, I didn't have any idea what it was really like. I thought I was going to be walking with one of those big sticks and, the, you know, and, and hiking and the whole thing. Well, it's not anything like what you ever imagine it to be. Not only that, but upon landing in Israel, you know, everywhere you, you, you turn, you see soldiers with their um, machine guns and their little kids. I mean, we're talking about 18-year-olds with, with big machine guns, girls and boys. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're supposed to be men and women, but they're just little kids. And they're on all the corners, and there they are with their machine guns protecting their land. And as you well know, while we were over there, only 40 miles away from where we were, there was a bombings taking place, and we would see the, uh, the jets taking off, and you could actually see the bombs un uh, under them. And we even took mo moving pictures of them. And uh, so it was, it was a very difficult time to be there because, of course, that war was going on. But at the same time, upon landing, I thought it was going to be like, you know, tense being there, but it wasn't. There was like a peace in Jerusalem and a peace all over Israel. And in spite of them being in war, you could see the peace on the people's faces. And that was quite incredible for me because I expected them to be tense because of everything that was going on, but it wasn't like that. And another thing is that uh, it's developed and all of Israel, I mean, it's beautiful, it's green. And everywhere you, you look, you see fields growing and all the fruit and everything growing. The cows give, I, it's either, Sunny says 30% more milk, but I, I don't know, I have to look back at my notes. I think it's, it's anyway, they are, they give like at least 10 times more milk than the average cow. Everywhere you see, you see the blessings of God on that land. You see uh, fruit growing, I mean, and, and they're, what would grow here in a real small way, they grow big and <laughs> over there, I don't know what, it's just like the blessings of God. Everything is just like at a progressive state, or I don't know, just really blessed. And so I was real impressed with that as well. Then um, spiritually, though, as we walked on the places and we're visiting the places where Jesus was. Now, I've been serving the Lord now for 33, going on 34 years. And I have spoke about him. I have a relationship with him. I know him really well, I feel. But to go back to where he was born and he walked and he ministered, it was an, an incredible experience. I remember the first time that I went back to visit where Sonny uh, was born and raised. I thought I knew him until I went back to where he was born and raised. And when I went to the apartment house and to the neighborhood and I met the friends and all, and then I felt like I really, really knew him because I saw where, where he was born and raised. And that's the kind of the same feeling that I got when I went to the Holy Land. It was like, I thought I, I really knew the Lord, but when I go over there and I see the places that he was and that he walked and that he ministered, it was like, a totally incredible experience that I wasn't expecting. I didn't expect it to be such a spiritual high that it was. We went to the Sea of Galilee, and uh, we were staying right there in a hotel right on the, on the, the shoreline. And uh, we took a little boat right across, and uh, we stopped right on the, on the Sea of Galilee, and we, we had a song service, and we prayed, and it was beautiful to be there where he stopped the the storm, and so many times we heard the preaching, or I even spoken on it myself, and to see that I was right there where he stilled the storm, and then he walked on the water. It was, it was awesome. I stopped right there and I said, "Wow!" I was visualizing all these things. Then we went over to. Uh, I'm just giving you the highlights of to me were were really really incredible. We went over to the Jordan River, and uh, many of the pastors got baptized again. 
you know, and it was just too exciting to be there and to think that Jesus was baptized there. So everybody put on the robes and they were out there, they were baptizing each other and, you know. It was so beautiful. And then I said, God, I got to take some of this water back. I know that a lot of the people couldn't be here. And I want to take some. I was gathering the water and I have it in big old bottles. I was lugging it all over Israel. Just so you could touch the water. I know there's no virtue in it. I didn't bring it this morning because I didn't want anybody to think that I think there's any virtue in it. But I wanted to bring it just so you could touch it because, you know, it's the Jordan River. And it was really beautiful to, to be visiting the Jordan River. And then also, I think another highlight for me was uh, being in the Garden of Gethsemane, right where Jesus agonized right before he gave his life for us. And when he would said, you know, oh, Father, if, if it be thy will, let this cup pass over me. Don't let it, do I have to go through this, Father? And, it, and you could feel, you know, the agony because it was like the sermon was right there in front of me. I was right there on the rock that he supposedly cried on. And then also walked around and, and there's all these olive trees that are still there. They're thousands of years old and they're still spouting the, the, the olive leaves. Now they tell you you can't touch them or you can't take the leaves. So, oh, Sister Julie, I wanted it, the leaves <laughs> so bad. So I'm looking at them, I'm trying to blow out a for them to fall off. But I looked down, and you know, there's a lot of people going by there, but I happened to find two leaves, so I brought two leaves. So I know there's no virtue in that either, but I, they're so special to me. <laughs> the leaves off the tree that he, you know, in that garden that he cried for me and you. And it's real, real special to me, the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, as you well know, Timothy's in, in London, and it, it didn't cost very much to sent him over and meet us there because just a little hop over so he met us there and he was with me there in the garden of Gethsemane and Sonny was on the other end and he was you know we were all having this experience just being there and I, I looked at Timothy's face and, and you could see his little mouth was trembling and I, he couldn't help but just want to weep there to know that he cried for you you by name all of us by name there and right before he, he actually went on the cross he was there weeping for you and me and it was really special, and uh, I had a beautiful time with the Lord there, and my son, you know, just embracing each other and just thanking God that he gave his life for you and me. Then we went also, another beautiful <laughs> experience, that we were in the upper room, and uh, they say that the Garden of Gethsemane, they don't know exactly if that's a rock, but you know that it's right there because you can feel the presence of God so strong. And in the upper room, they said, well, it could be over here, it could be over there. But when we walked in there, oh, it, it, we were real close and we weren't right there. We were real close to the very place that the Holy Spirit came down because we all gathered in a circle. Now, you know, Victory Outreach people, how we are, right? And you think we're going to be in the upper room and be quiet and just walk through there? <laughs> you know, the other people were going by and touring and having the little talk and that. And then Sonny says, come on, let's go over here in this little corner. And let's just sing a song of praise unto the Lord. And we started singing a song of praise unto the Lord. And it was so powerful. You just hear the praise, you know, of the singing unto the Lord. Oh, thank you. And as we're um, singing unto the Lord, you know, the power of God was so strong. And then we just started speaking in tongues. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it wasn't really out of order or anything. It was just a real soft praise unto the Lord. And we we're just praising him. And before we started doing that, this place was packed out with people the tour groups in every corner talking about the history. But we actually were right there and we began speaking in tongues. And when we opened up our eyes and looked around, there was nobody in there. <laughs> we were all of ourselves. 
<laughs> we had the whole place to ourselves. So we were walking around and praising God, you know. <laughs> and then we, uh, we started taking pictures of each other in the upper room, and it was so beautiful. And before that, there was lines of people. So you know that God just gave us that special time that we could be there. Victory outreach right there in the upper room, <laughs> having this beautiful time with the Lord. <laughs> Then we visited Nazareth, uh, where Jesus was born and raised, you know, and, and, and there was only one well in Nazareth. And uh, so you know that he drank from that well, right? And so we went over and, and we uh, were by the well and we all took a little drink of the water. You know, you have to go down, take a pail and come up and one by one you take a drink. And once again, you know, <laughs> I said, oh, I want to take some of that water back. <laughs> now I have one, bo one bottle already and I want another bottle. And not a little bottle, we're talking about a big one. And so, little by little, everybody knew that I wanted the water, so they all got around the circle, and we filled up my water bottle, and I come out with, with my water bottle, so I got that too. I, I don't know what to do with it, but I, I have it. <laughs> i just very blessed that I was able to drink from the same well that Jesus actually drank in. I mean, that's the same well. There's only one well in Nazareth, and I, I was able to drink from that well and bring the water back. If any of you want water, I don't know. What do you think, Pastor Sonny? <laughs> <laughs> then uh, another beautiful experience for us was uh, going to the Wailing Wall. And um, a lot of you gave me little prayer requests, and I want you to know that they're right there in the Wailing Wall, those of you that gave them to me. But those of you that didn't, a lot of you didn't even know we were going to be going over there. I, as I was there and I was praying for you, uh, I wrote you know, as many names as I could possibly think of, as I was on the bus, I was writing a lot of your names on, and I, I, then I, I, I just panned the church, you know, like I'm doing right now. And I was looking at your faces, you know, and I was praying for each one of you there. And I was just praying for each one, you know, that God would just do his perfect will in each one of our lives. And that we would come to know him in a dimension that we have never known him before. And I know that that's what God did for me while I was there. That I feel like, like, man, I didn't even know him. Like, oh, I'm knowing him all over again. And something about the word of God that before, you know, I, I love the word of God and I love serving God and I love everything about what Christianity is all about. I love it. And I've embraced the gospel with all my heart. But now being there and just, you know, being there in the places that he was, I've been wanting, I mean, I have a hunger to dig into his word and to know him in an even greater dimension. I want to know him. I want to know the Lord that I serve. I want to really, really know him. And I just thank God for that experience that I was able to have. And I thank God that, you know, each one of you, you know, you're so special to the Lord. And I know that God has his hand on Victory Outreach. There's no doubt in my mind that God has his hand on this church. We are going to make history for the Lord. God is going to use us as a church in a dynamic way in these last days. And I really believe we are in those last days. And if you were there walking those streets with us, you would, you would also probably take, have bear witness that we are in these last days. And I just thank God for what he did and, 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 and allowing us to be there. And I want you to know that I love you, each and every one of you, so very much. And I, I love you even more now. I love you so much. And I just thank God for each and every one of you. God bless you this morning. So if you want to buy any holy water, we have. <laughs> <laughs> we also have some holy oil too. 
we'll just throw it in. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. By the way, we did bring oil that from Jerusalem we're going to be having. We're going to be using that oil in an anointing service that we're going to be having at the mighty men of valor. So it's going to be, it's going to be powerful. Amen. I want you to stand with me this morning. And again, I have in my heart, I come from the Holy Land, and you could, you could, you know, being in the Holy Land, it's uh, a spiritual experience. And the Lord laid this upon my heart to share with you this morning. I want you to open up your Bibles this morning to uh, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24 of Matthew. Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to begin reading in Matthew chapter 24. We're going to begin reading in verse 32 of chapter 24 of Matthew. And these are the words of Jesus. In fact, if you look at chapter 24 and also all those chapters that we have here, he's talking about the end time. He's talking about what's going to be taking place, I believe, in the very near future. Now, let's look at Matthew 24, beginning in verse 32. And it says, he says, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord Jesus, this morning, we could feel your divine presence in this place. And Lord, we pray that you continue to move by your Holy Spirit in the hearts of every person that's gathered here this morning. Lord, give us that urgency of getting our lives closer to you so that you will be able to work in us the way you desire to work in us, that we will be able to yield our lives and yield it completely unto you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. My wife was talking about the different experiences that she had on this Holy Land tour. And I had also different spiritual experiences that the Lord gave to me and that I experienced in the Holy Land. We were there for about nine or nine days, ten days, something like that. And one of the places that I really had a tremendous, and I've been to the Holy Land twice, and this is the second time that I have the opportunity of being in this particular place in the Holy Land, the first time I had a spiritual experience, and also this time again, I had a spiritual experience in the very same place. And that was in the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olives. As I stood there in the Mount of Olives and I looked at Jerusalem, you could see Jerusalem and you could also see the Eastern Gate of Jerusalem. And it was in the Mount of Olives that, remember, that Jesus went ahead and he uh, ascended up into heaven. 
And then he said, I'm going to return. And in fact, the angel says, why stand ye gazing upward into heaven? This same Jesus is going to come back the same way he went into heaven. As we toured the Holy Land, we were able to see history and we were able to go over all historical events that took place in the past. But not only were we able to look at the historical events, but also there are some future events that are to take place, and I believe that are to take place very, very soon. Now, the historical events, we, we look back at the birth of Jesus. We, we look back at also the, the death of Jesus upon the cross of Calvary, his death, his burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his ascension into the right hand of the Father. But there's still so many more prophetic prophecies that still need to be fulfilled. And here in the passage of Scripture is telling us that learn the lesson from the fig tree. And he says, uh, he says, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things, you know that it is near right at the door. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that there's going to be some signs that will indicate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, his second coming. He came the first time as a baby born in a manger, but he's coming the second time, and he shall return, the second coming of Jesus. Now, this morning, real quickly, we don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to go through it real quickly, but I, I want to give you a sequel of events that are going to be taking place that's going to take us right into the end of time. Now, we're moving according to the time clock of God. And if you want to know where we are at, at the time clock of God, the best place to look is in Israel. And you look at the different events that are taking place in the land of Israel, and it points out to you where we're at in the time clock of God. Now, there's a number of events that need to take place to fulfill prophecy. The first event that needs to take place that we're very much part of is the Bible talks about the rapture is going to come. That's the event. That's the blessed hope of the church. That is the longing that all of us have that we have the assurance in our hearts and we have the blessed hope that Jesus ascended up into heaven but he's coming back again. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he shall be with you, he shall be in you, he will comfort you, he will lead you, he will guide you, he will teach you all things, he will anoint you, and we have got the Holy Spirit. This is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit at this particular time. But the Bible points out that Jesus is coming back again. There's a second coming of Jesus Christ. Now when we think about the second coming of Christ, there are two events that are going to be taking place. First of all, there's the event that we know as the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church. And we have scriptures according to that. We have scriptures where he says that in Thessalonians that he shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And all those that are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And there's other scriptures that 
deal with that particular event that's going to take place. There's so many scriptures in the Word of God that point out to the experience of the rapture. So the first thing that's going to happen in the second coming is the rapture experience where Jesus is coming back again for his church. This is what is called the blessed hope of the church, that Jesus is coming back for his church. Now that rapture experience is an experience where the dead in Christ are going to rise first. That's what the Bible says. We're not going to be the first ones, but the dead in Christ are the first ones. The graves are going to open up, and all those that were saints and Christians, that the bodies in the grave are going to suddenly be quickened by the Holy Spirit, and there's going to be a resurrection that's going to take place. And then we who are alive and those that are alive, the Christians that are alive, there's going to be a meeting in the air where you're going to be joined together to meet Jesus right in the air. And then at that very moment, then we're going to go right into, into heaven, into the, into the presence of God. He's going to usher us right into heaven. Now, right after that, as I interpret the word of God, the Bible tells us that there's going to be a period of tribulation that's going to come upon the world. Now, I want you to get a hold of this so you can get the sequence of where we're going and what's going to happen and how it's going to take us to the end of time. There's going to be a tribulation that the Bible speaks about that's going to come upon the earth. Now, there are people that they believe that we're going to go, that the church is going to go through the tribulation. But as I look at the Word of God, I don't see that in the Word of God. If we, there are some people that believe in, in, in the post-tribulation period. In other words, that the rapture is going to take place after the tribulation. But it doesn't actually make sense. Because why is God going to come right after the tribulation period, and He's going to rapture us, and then we're going to go to heaven, and then we've got to come right back on another round trip right away, to come back again and establish his millennial kingdom. It doesn't make any sense. The Bible tells us that there's going to be a judgment of the believers. And when the rapture takes place, we're going to be raptured into the presence of God, and that's what you call the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's going to be a wedding that's going to take place. The bride and the groom are going to be joined together in heaven. Now, usually the attention is always given. Whenever there's a wedding, the attention is always given to the bride. But in this particular wedding, the bride is not the one that's going to get all the attention, but it's going to be the groom. Because we are the bride, and Jesus is the groom. And there's going to be a wedding that's going to take place in heaven. And then also, the Bible points out, and the scriptures point out that there's going to be a judgment. See, even though we are Christians and we're born again, every one of us are going to be judged. Now, you're not going to be judged for your sins. And the reason why we're not going to be judged for our sins is because all of our sins, because Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, all of our sins are washed in the blood. They're all washed in the blood of the Lamb. But there's going to be a judgment. There's going to be a judgment upon every one of us of what we did. What did we do with everything that God gave us? You see, every one of us here this morning 
We have a purpose. God has a purpose for every one of us. There's the will of God for every Christian that is here this morning. There's not one Christian that God doesn't have a plan for. God has a plan for every one of us. And what he desires to do, he desires to reveal his plan for our lives. That's what he's trying to do. And every Sunday morning service, every time you gather together for prayer, whenever you open up your heart to God, God is always going to try to reveal his divine plan for you so that you could align your will to the will of God. See, God has a purpose for every one of us. And God has a, a work, a divine work for us to do. Well, that day, we're going to be judged according to that. We're not going to be judged for our sins because our sins have been washed in the blood. They've been laid in the sea of forgetfulness. You don't see them no more. But we're all going to be judged for our works. That's when we get before him. Then he's going to say, I gave you all these talents and I gave you all this and I did all this for you. What did you do with it? Well, I buried it and I, I didn't use it. And many of us are going to be in a state of, uh, we're going to be ashamed. There's going to be, many of us are going to be, it's going to be an embarrassing experience. And the Bible says that some will just barely make it into heaven. Instead of getting a big crown, you probably just get a little band that he's going to give you up in heaven. There are some that are going to have to walk around for eternity with a little band. Instead of wearing the big crown that God has reserved for his saints. So there is going to be a judgment. We are going to have a, to give an account for everything that we did, what, what we have done with what God has given unto us. And to many of us, God has given a lot. To he that has given a lot, much is required, isn't it? The more he gives to you, the more is required from you. This is why it's important for us. We, we're here just for a short time. We're just passing through. And we need to diligently use whatever God has given to us and dedicate ourselves to the purposes of God so that we could maximize our time. And then he could say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come into the rest of the Lord. So there's going to be a judgment that's going to take place for the believer. Don't think for a moment that you're not going to be judged. Every one of us is going to be judged. And we're going to be judged for our motives. You know, why did we do what we did? Why? Why did we do it? Why did we do that? Why did we do it? Did we do it for our own glory or do we, did we do it for the glory of God? So there's a judgment of works. And at, as that is taking place, there's going to be a tribulation that's going to be taking place here on earth. Now, I'm not expecting to go through the tribulation period. I'm believing that before the tribulation comes and before the tribulation takes place, we're going to be ushered out into the presence of Jesus Christ. But there's going to be a tribulation. And I want you to know that uh, right now there's like a standstill in the, in the clock of God. You know, there's... Uh, Daniel brings out 70 weeks. And all of it has to do with Israel. If you look, God dealing with Israel. God dealing with his people, his chosen people. God deals with them. And at the 69th week, all of a sudden, according to Daniel's prophecy, there was a, 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 everything stood still. And we're at a period right now that it is a time of opportunity for the Gentiles to get saved. And there was a, a door open 
an open window for the Gentiles to come and get saved and give their hearts to Christ. But as soon as the tribulation takes place, as soon as the church and the, the final and complete work that uh, Jesus is perform on the church, as soon as he takes the church up, then once again, God begins to deal with Israel, and we come into the last week, which is actually seven, uh, actually the, the last week, which is actually seven years where God begins to deal with Israel. And in those seven years where there's a tremendous dealing that begins to take place, and it says all the nations of the earth are going to be focusing on Israel. And I believe that some of those nations are the the federation of the Arab nations that are going to be focused on Israel. You look at China is going to be focused on Israel. Uh, Russia is going to be focused on Israel. The, uh, the, the common market of nations, that's the reviving of the Roman Empire again, is going to be focused again on Israel. And the Bible tells us that there's going to be a battle like there's never been in the battle of Armageddon that's going to be taking place right in Israel. Now some of those places, we've been there. I was overlooking the, the valley of Armageddon. And as I looked at that valley, the guide that was guiding us on our tour, he told us that in that valley, he said, now I don't know if he's exaggerating, but he sure was talking big. He said, in that valley, he says, you could put all the people in the world right now and you could accommodate them right in that valley. And he showed us the valley. It was a real big valley. And there's been a lot of wars that have taken place in, in that particular valley. But this is going to be the, the last war that's going to take place before the second event of the coming of Jesus takes place and he steps foot upon the Mount of Olives, it's going to take place right there in the Valley of Armageddon. So there's going to be a lot that's going to be taking place. The Antichrist is going to reveal himself. The false prophet is going to reveal himself throughout those seven years of tribulation. The first three and a half years is going to seem like there's peace. The Antichrist and the false prophet is going to be accepted. They're going to be accepted by all nations. And even Israel is going to accept that Antichrist and the false prophet. But then after three and a half years, the Bible tells us that all of a sudden, this Antichrist is going to go into the temple. And by the way, uh, there's going to be a rebuilding of the temple. Some of the signs that we see have taken place already. In fact, before Jesus could come back, there has to be a, a restoring of the nation of Israel. For over 2,000 years, over 2,500 years, Israel was all over. They didn't have a nation. But you, all of a sudden, in 1948, once again, the nation of Israel was established. And all the Jews from all over the world were coming back to Palestine and coming back to their homeland, just like it was prophesied within the Word of God. And then at that particular time, also all that period of time, they didn't have Jerusalem. They needed to have Jerusalem. They needed to once again get Jerusalem and Jerusalem to be part of Israel, but Jerusalem, part of it belonged to the Arabs. 
But in that 1967 war that took place, there was another miracle, the Six-Day War. Some of you remember that. In that Six-Day War, they went in and they conquered Jerusalem. And all Jerusalem now belongs to the Israelites. Again, moving according to the time clock of God. But there's one particular problem right there that they have, and I don't know how God is going to work it out. In fact, the guide that is an Israeli, I asked him, well, how is it going to work out? You know, there has to be the rebuilding of the temple. The temple has been destroyed, and before Jesus comes back again and steps foot upon the Mount of Olives, there needs to be again the restoration of the temple. The temple needs to be built. And the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. 70 years after Christ's death, the temple was destroyed by Titus. And since that time, the Jews don't have a temple to worship in. And right where the temple is supposed to be, there's a mosque, the Dome of the Rock, that is Muslim. Right where the temple is supposed to be is a worship place for the Muslims. And I was asking the guide, and I said to him, do you believe that, and he's not a Christian, he's a Hebrew. And I said, do you believe that the temple is going to be restored? He said, oh yes, it is. He says, definitely, The temple is going to be rebuilt, he says. We are all looking to that future. We're looking towards the future when the temple is going to be rebuilt. I said, but what about that mosque over there? Isn't that in the way? He says, yes, is in the way. But just as God opened up the Red Sea, and just as God has worked miracles in the Old Testament, he says something is going to happen to that mosque and God is going to remove it and God's temple is going to be rebuilt. Now there's a, a problem because the Muslims are not about to give it up. They want that holy place, that holy site. But then I asked him, well, how do you think it's going to happen? He says it's going to be an earthquake. He said there's going to be an earthquake that's going to take place. And when that earthquake takes place, that temple's going to come down. And when that temple comes down, we're going to rebuild our temple. And then he started telling me about a fault line, you know, one of those uh, fault lines that they have. And he says right on the Mount of Olives, from the Mount of Olives, he says there's a fault line that goes all the way, you know, like that. And he started explaining and started getting into details of how that was going to take place in an earthquake. Now, we know about an earthquake that's going to take place. Because while all this is taking place over here in the tribulation period, we're going to be in heaven. And the first three and a half years, Israel is going to make a a, a peace treaty with the enemy, with the Antichrist. But then after that, somehow, all of a sudden, the Antichrist, three and a half years later, he's going to say, I want you to worship me. And they're going to start worshiping him as God. And when that happens, Israel's going to say, no, we're not going to worship you. And that's the time that the Bible says it is the time of Jacob's trouble. You think that Israel has been persecuted and they've gone through persecution and we've seen what Hitler did, right? And so much persecution that they've gone through. 
you cannot even compare the persecution of Hitler with the persecution that's going to come upon the Israelites through the Antichrist. They're going to begin to flee. And as they begin to flee, there's even a place that God has reserved for them that is even there right now, reserved for them, a city by the name of Petra. That it's in the rocks. And you can even go see that city. It's a city by the name of Petra that they're going to flee and they're going to find hiding in the city of Petra. Somehow, some of these Israelites are going to get a revelation of, of Christ. And the Bible tells us that there's going to be some conversions. These Israelites, some of them are going to get converted. Now, I don't know how that's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is not going to be here. I don't believe the Holy Spirit is going to be here because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and when we go, we take the Holy Spirit with us. And if you can't even get converted, or some people can't convert it, when the Holy Spirit is convicting them, could you imagine if there wasn't, there wasn't any conviction of the Holy Spirit? But somehow, God is going to work it out where he's going to deal with Israel at that particular time. And the Bible tells us that he's going to raise up 144,000 Israelite evangelists. And if you read the scriptures, and I could give you scriptures on that, it's not the 44,000 Jehovah Witnesses. <laughs> Though Jehovah Witnesses claim a 144,000 that they're going to be the elite 144,000 it's not going to be so those, those, those are going to be Israelites 144,000 Israelites that are going to begin to witness they're going to begin to witness they're going to be doing such an evangelistic work that it's going to it tells us the Bible tells us that people are going to get converted like we have never seen. There's going to be conversion of people that are going to take place. So even in the time of the tribulation, God is going to still be at work giving an opportunity for people to repent of their sins. Even though it's going to be difficult where at that particular time, the Antichrist is going to be difficult for Christians. You think you've got trials now as Christians? Could you imagine throughout the tribulation period you got to get the mark of the beast. And if you don't get the mark of the beast, then you got to be killed. you got to give your life. And you know, they're telling me about that they have now those uh, computer chips, right? What do you call it? Microchips that they're putting inside. They're, they're experimenting right with prisoners, right? We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.